0: Today's scripture comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 18 through 30. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of god and we know that for those who love god all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined he also called And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. The word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning, Trinity. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. So according to Christianity Today, last January, they cited a study that said there is more persecution now than the year before. They said uh, one in seven Christians in the world live in countries, quote, with high levels of persecution or discrimination. One reason why things have gotten a little bit worse is because of COVID. COVID restrictions have enabled some countries, like China and others, to tighten their control and surveillance. For 20 years, the country ranked number one for persecution for Christians was North Korea. But just this past year, they have been outdone by Afghanistan. With the Taliban now in power, most Afghan believers have lost everything and they've had to relocate. Quote, Christians are living in fear, in secret, totally underground. And though it seems pretty removed from our lives here in the US, Christian persecution is a real part of our world today. Romans 8, Paul was discussing life in the spirit, that we have the spirit of adoption, And that spirit bears witness that we are the children of god and heirs of an inheritance and then he adds this line we are fellow heirs with christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him that this journey toward our inheritance is a journey that leads through suffering we've been going through romans 6 to 8 and for some of us Maybe this feels a little bit out of place. Like we've been talking about freedom and life and victory. And it, like this new kingdom doesn't sound, it didn't sound like there's supposed to be problems, like suffering. And yet, and yet, this is the path of Jesus, our Lord. And now as his followers, and now as people who have been united to Jesus, we follow that path of suffering to glory. Paul points out how in this new kingdom it's not that we avoid suffering, rather we are empowered to endure suffering and that we have tremendous resources. We have a lot to help us overcome our suffering and today we wanna zoom in on three of those resources. Our hope of glory, the intercession of the Spirit, and the providence and purpose of God. The hope of glory. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The idea is not that hard. As big as our suffering may be, our future glory is so much bigger. You know, whenever I talk with people, everyone seems to have their struggles. You share enough and Everyone has something. Maybe there are physical issues, mental health issues, financial issues, relational issues, issues with the kids, the in-laws, grief. I know there's some grief in our community. There's just... Life in a broken world is fraught with problems. I think Paul is saying, if we combine all of our suffering our suffering for Jesus, and our suffering of just living in this broken world, you put that all together, and that's still just a drop compared to the ocean of our future glory. So what is this glory? What is this? Well, there are a few things we want to look at. Verse 19 says, it is glory that creation longs for. Now this takes a little explanation, so just follow with me. When Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit in Genesis 3, it wasn't just that Adam and Eve broke their fellowship with God. It was that all of creation itself became broken. Genesis 3 says, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. So there we have it. Now we have thorns and thistles, weeds, earthquakes, floods, famine, viruses, hurricanes, wildfires. It's, all of creation is broken. The language of Romans 8 is it is subject to futility. It is in bondage to corruption. That creation itself is cursed. But at the fall, God gave a seed of hope. He said an offspring of the woman would crush the serpent's head and the serpent would strike its heel. Meaning, there is one who will come who will defeat the enemy. And this serpent crusher will not just redeem the children of God, but will also restore all the effects of the curse. And that includes, therefore, all of creation as well. You might not have recognized it before, but in the Christmas hymn, Joy to the World, it celebrates this. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And so, creation has been waiting with eager longing. It says, quote, groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. This is where I am very cautious because we men are not to pretend to understand the pains of childbirth. I claim no such thing. (laughs) But I do have a picture, an impression of all this pain and anguish and nausea and fatigue and suffering for nine months culminating in this, like, intense, Intensely painful childbirth process. And at the same time, there's also all this excited anticipation, right? Nine months of waiting and wondering and praying, and and after this, the, the final moments of pain, finally, this precious, precious, priceless baby. It's saying that's how creation feels: this mix of pain and anguish with. Excited anticipation. This is saying our future glory is big. It's cosmic. I mean, it, it restores all of creation. And as cosmic as it is, as grand as it is, it's actually not the focus of our passage. It's not that creation waits for its own glory. Creation waits, quote, for the sons of God to be revealed. Quote, to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That what is on center stage is not creation's glory, but our glory. Our glory. Creation's glory is just a a corollary. It's contingent upon... Our glory, Paul is saying, if cosmic redemption sounds big, wait till you see your glory. Even creation longs for your glory. And then Paul shifts in verse 23 to believers. We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. It's not just that creation groans, now we groan as well. When what are we groaning for? What is our future glory? It says our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Meaning, we have to expand our understanding of adoption. It, of course, involves a new and loving and accepting relationship with our Heavenly Father by which we, and the Spirit calls us to cry out, Abba, Father. That's all good and well, but there's more. That under the heading of adoption is the redemption of our bodies. 1 Corinthians 15 explains that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Our bodies don't have that kind of capacity. Like, our wattage is too small. Like we need to be raised imperishable immortal raised in power in glory adoption into god's family i want to use the phrase requires a major upgrade in our hardware like we don't have the kind of capacity to actually live as the children of god it also says that we have the spirit as our first fruit in an agricultural society the first fruit is just it's just the beginning of the harvest, right? This is just the first installment. This is the down payment. This is the deposit that's saying hey Everything else is coming You can be assured That the spirit is an assurance of something so much more to come and as we've been saying the spirit awakens our taste buds the spirit enables us to see how beautiful and wonderful and delightful and glorious jesus is and in that sense the spirit is giving us a foretaste it's like seeing the trailer to like a really cool movie or it's like smelling freshly ground freshly brewed single origin pour over coffee Maybe we'll have some today Alfred. I don't know what you what you have in store for us or it's like a, It's like having an appetizer, you know to this like gourmet Michelin star rated feast like ooh, Wow, just a, just a foretaste we taste it Have we not? we've tasted peace and comfort and guidance and purpose we've tasted hope and joy, and acceptance, and forgiveness, and grace, and love—we've tasted fellowship with God. I remember when I first had froyo; it was a life-changing experience. I, uh, I was like, "Wow, this is—and it's healthy or healthier, you know? Like, wow, this is this is great." And of all the various flavors that they've come up with, my favorite had been plain. Just the plain, tart froyo. Like the tartiness and the sweetness. It's just so refreshing. And after I'd have it, like, I began to crave it. Like I would drive by. Oh, there's a froyo. (laughs) Like, like, do I have time to, like, can I get some? Like, it would just kind of nag on me. Like, ooh, wouldn't you like that? That's the effect of the spirit. I mean, not froyo, but, you know. (laughs) That we've tasted it. And now we crave it we have tasted fellowship with God what will it be like to be with him face to face what will it be like to dwell in the unshielded radiance of his glorious presence if this is what this tasted like no eye has seen no ear has heard no mind has conceived of what God has prepared for those who love him. We have a a taste. We don't enjoy the fullness today. We don't see it yet today, and so Romans says, we hope for what we do not yet see, and so what do we do? We wait. We long. We groan. We groan, we yearn, we ache. It's not just that creation groans for this glory. We groan for this glory, because we've tasted it. We, 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 we got a sniff. We got a sample cup of the froyo. Ooh. <laughs> Want more of that. And maybe you feel a little of that longing. Oh, Lord, one day. Yes, one day. If you feel it, may I suggest, that is the evidence of the Spirit within you. That is what the Spirit does. The first through of the Spirit causes us to groan, to yearn. You crave, you long for what is yet to come. We add that this is in the context of suffering. <laughs> So all the more in light of all the misery and pain of this broken world, we long all the more for what is yet to come. Creation groans for it, we groan for it, for something so much more than our present sufferings. Secondly, we have the intercession of the Spirit. Verse 26 and 27 says, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches hearts knows what is what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of god and we looked at this last time as one of the what the spirit does for us and we said we don't always know what to pray for we don't always know what god's will is but the spirit knows And so the Spirit prays God's will for us. And then we see in a few verses later that God's will is perfectly clear. His purpose is to conform us to the image of his Son. Therefore, we believe the Holy Spirit is groaning, praying, oh, may they be more like Jesus. May they be more like Jesus, is what the Spirit does for us. It's what we said last time. I want to reflect on this a little bit more. I think Paul presumes in the heart and life of the believer a deep desire to know God's will. It presumes that that's really what we want, to know and follow God's will. Because we don't always know. It's hard to discern. It's very confusing at times. Perhaps even more so in times of suffering. Like, what does God want? Where is God? What's, what's happening? And Paul describes this as weakness. In our weakness, we don't know these things. And the idea is that we experience this as weakness. Like, we're frustrated. I wish we could discern God's will. I want to discern God's will. But I don't know, I don't know. But now to say, to hear, the Spirit knows God's will. And the Spirit is praying God's will for, ah, you see now, This is good news. Now this is a consolation. Because if you don't really care about God's will, you don't think about God's will, you're not trying to follow God's will, to say the Spirit praised God's will for you is a gift you didn't ask for. (laughs) You weren't really interested in that present. Thank you, kind of, not really, you know. But to the one who wants to know God's will, this is a precious ministry for us. Or to take it another step, this presumes that we desire to be conformed to the image of Christ. Down inside, we want to be more like Jesus. To use the words of the old hymn, Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp thine own image deep in my heart we want to follow god's will we want to be more like jesus and then to understand that that is what the spirit is doing praying god's will for us praying that we become more like jesus ah you see now this is a sweet and precious ministry that encourages our soul in particular to think That this, again, is in the context of suffering and and trials, that in our trials, he's praying, yes, Lord, help them follow your will. Yes, Lord, even in their suffering, may they be more like you, is what the Spirit does for us. But what really strikes me is how hard the Spirit prays. It's not just that he prays. He says it prays with such earnestness and intensity, quote, groanings, too deep for words. And the prayer, the spirit's not just saying, well, Lord, you know, pray. The spirit is like groaning these prayers for us. Have you ever wanted something desperately? Like so desperately, you can almost feel the ache in your body. Like you want so much. To get married <laughs> or you want so much to have a child or you want so much for your loved one to be healed for your loved one to come to Jesus well dare I say that anything you've ever desperately wanted any groaning you may have ever had is still smaller than how the spirit groans for you. How much he wants you to follow God's will. How much he wants you to be more like Jesus. The picture is God has come near. He is not distant, aloof, indifferent. And said, God rolls up his sleeves, and he jumps into our struggle, and he feels the gap of where we are and where he wants us to be, and it causes angst. He groans to bring that together. For the parents, maybe uh, when your kids are playing soccer or baseball, and there you are in the stands, I don't know what kind of parents you are in the stands, <clears throat> Maybe when they're struggling, you're like, oh, oh, no, no, come on, come on. Come on. yeah!" Or when they're doing well, woohoo, hoo I mean, you're just like, you're, you're just like, you are in it. Or if they have a test, a big test coming up, like, oh, my God, the night before, you can't sleep either. Like, and yeah, as they go off to the test, you're like, oh, Lord, 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 please, please, please. You're just like, so help them focus, help them focus, manage your time. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We are in it with them. Like we are emotionally invested, and that takes us on this huge roller coaster ride. That is the picture of the Spirit. That Spirit, He's in it. He is in it with us. He is emotionally invested with us, longing for our success. When you see your kids suffer, I mean, we suffer with them, don't we? When our kids are struggling, like we ache. Oh, come on, what, what can I do? How can I help, can, can I help pull you through? That's the Spirit in it with us, in our sufferings. Saying, come on, come on, God's will, Christlikeness, that even in our suffering, maybe especially in our suffering, he is our ally, our comforter, our counselor, praying groaning, yearning, God's will and Christ's likeness for our lives. Creation groans for glory. We groan for glory. The spirit groans for our glory. There's a lot of groaning. To connect us to last, our sermon from last time, what is it to walk? in the spirit, to be led by the spirit, I wanna suggest it is to join in the spirit's prayers. That we too would pray, Lord, may your will be done in my life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, have your way in me. And Lord, I wanna be more like Jesus, more like Jesus, more like Jesus by praying so we keep in step with the Spirit. That's where the Spirit's going, and we walk with Him. The third resource is it's not just that the Spirit prays for us, it's that God the Father is working as well. We see the providence and purpose of God. He is in control of all things, using all things for good, The doctrine of providence is the idea that God is sovereign, God is in control, and He uses anything and everything, natural, supernatural, from a blade of glass to the heart of Pharaoh. It may look ordinary, it may even look like a mistake, but God is still working. Well-known verse, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. And in the context of suffering, the idea is that even our trials, our struggles, that this is used by God for our good. In other words, our sufferings are not a problem, but a tool. It's something God uses. I have to pause to say, you know, that's hard to accept sometimes. COVID, mass shootings, invasion into Ukraine, Persecution in Afghanistan, North Korea, the pain and tragedies of our own lives and of the lives of our loved ones. I mean, there are plenty of times when it doesn't seem like God's in control. doesn't seem like there's any good coming out of this. I mean, we don't, I don't see any good coming out of some of these atrocities around us. Sometimes it's hard to believe, and those sometimes, again, we wonder, God, where are you, what are you doing, and how can you allow this? Paul is encouraging us to cling to the promise that God is still sovereign and God is still good and he will use all of this for his purpose. William Cooper, 18th century, struggled with chronic depression, suicidal thoughts, but out of his pain came a beautiful faith. His words, I think, are just so beautiful. He he wrote, Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Things may be hidden and dark and bitter, But even so, the eyes of faith see a smile, a a sweet flower. What is this sweet flower? What is this good that he will accomplish, this good purpose? Verse 29 makes it clear. What is all this for? It is that we would be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. That is, God is working all these things to make us more like Jesus. I think Paul isn't talking about like two different, there's glory and then there's Christ conformity. I think he's saying to be conformed to the image of Christ, that is your future glory. Your future glory is to be like Jesus. The goal was never, I just wanna try to get them to heaven. The goal from the beginning was always to conform people to the image of his son. And so to do that, he called, he predestined, he justified, he glorified, because that's always been the goal our glory, our Christ likeness. And why? Why does he want him, why is that the goal? That we be conformed to Christ? It says, so that Christ would be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. I want you to imagine this. It's as if God was saying, I want a bigger family. We only have Jesus as our son. I wish he had some brothers and sisters. I wish Jesus had some siblings. And so let's let's bring all these up. Let's adopt them into our family. But not just legal adoption, let's transform them that they actually look like they belong to. They bear a family resemblance. Like, let's give them our family DNA. Let's make sure that they have a divine likeness in their heart and soul, in their role and function. It's kind of like Superman says, I wanna, (laughs) I'm gonna adopt some people into my family, but not just legally, like I'm gonna actually make you a superman, a superwoman with superpowers, cause we're gonna be a superman woman family, like actually, as if you were born on whatever planet he was born on, like we're actually like real superhero family. That we are his brothers and his sisters, not just by name and not just by legal status, but by our inherent nature, by our genetic biology. I mean, I feel almost blasphemous (laughs) in saying that we will share in his nature. i got to be careful about that, right? But this is why we need a bodily resurrection. Because our bodies cannot, in this state, have that kind of divine nature, have that kind of instinct, glory, DNA. We must become imperishable. We must become immortal, just as Christ's resurrection body was imperishable and immortal, meaning our nature our desires, our character, even our bodies will be like Jesus's. I don't, what does that mean? That is what our adoption involves. That we will be his brothers and sisters, not just by name, but we will be like him to the core. Even to our bodies. But this isn't even about us. This is about the glory and supremacy of Jesus. That in this big family, Jesus stands on top as the firstborn. Our oldest brother. The one after whom all of us have been conformed. Colossians one says it well he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be Preeminent this actually isn't about us This is about the preeminence of Christ That one day having been united to Christ One day now standing beside Christ having been conformed to Christ even to our bodies we will so clearly see and so clearly celebrate His beauty and grace and majesty that one day every cell in our bodies will proclaim to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever that in all things Christ will be preeminent. There is suffering in our broken world. There is suffering in following Jesus. But our present suffering is not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. It is a glory that creation longs and groans for. That we long and groan for. That the spirit longs and groans for. Ultimately that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus, and Jesus would be the preeminent firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. To him be the glory. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, there is a lot of suffering. There is a lot of pain. It's a broken world and it's a narrow road. And yet, Lord, we pause to consider where you wanna take us. And honestly, it feels blasphemous for me to even claim such things were your word not saying it so. That one day we will be like you. We will be like you, sharing your glory and that you will stand preeminent as the firstborn Amongst in a family of people who have been conformed to your image. Lord, we celebrate you and we celebrate the day when you will stand in glory over all creation. Encourage our hearts that, Lord, we would trust you, follow you, worship you, even today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.